Welcome to episode three of the Live at Red Cliffs podcast recorded in Moab, Utah. We're back. Welcome to episode number three of the Live at Red Cliffs podcast. Hello, everybody. Three. Three. Crazy. This is amazing. We're on a roll. It's exciting. We have uh, some really interesting uh, topics that we're going to uh, throw out to you today, and we're going to start off with a conversation about the logos at Red Cliffs. There are multiple logos, and we're going to talk a little bit about the design and the history of them. Should right? we say who we are first? So uh, Yeah, let's that. do that. Go ahead. So Brian Hunting's general manager here at the Lodge. Kimberly Bolton, social media and website manager. My name is Elise Park, and I manage the Moab Museum of Film and Western Heritage downstairs. And I am Steve Walker, and I am the director of Live at Redcliffs. And I think, you know, Steve asked me to kind of give a little intro to the topic today. One of the reasons that I thought this might be an interesting topic for our listeners um, is because the logos that we've chosen, first of all, two of them are for are brand new for relatively new entities, one being Live at Red Cliffs, the topic of this podcast, the second being the logo for the museum, which has never existed before. And then the third being a new logo that was created um, for the Red Cliffs Lodge. And then, I don't know, are we going to talk about the fourth for the foundation too? Oh, we can talk about, yeah. I mean, the, the foundation is really probably the easiest of them all to talk about. Uh, but then I thought we could also talk about the, you know, the crest, the family crest that we made for the lodge, which I think is cool too. I, think I, I also want to talk about the fifth logo, which is the podcast logo, which is by far my favorite logo. Nice. Okay. Just, just saying. We are um. not short of logos. Here. <laughs> and you're not even, you haven't even covered the restaurant or the bar. Oh, that's right, because the bar has a new one. Yes. The bar. The bar. Yeah. The guidepost has their own as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, so there's quite a few logos around there floating around. And it's all part of branding, right? We want people to resonate with certain things. I mean, if you look at this property, we mean so much to so many different people. And like I said in the previous podcast, like our diversity is our strength. And so different things appeal to different people. And I think that it's cool that pretty much everybody had a say in what went into the logos that they kind of, uh, are responsible for their areas you know at least i know you were heavily involved with the museum and um you know the, the the family crest that we made i think was really a group effort um truthfully though i mean full credit to elise um she kind of came up with the the vision we were literally you know like arthurian art you know armor with the shield and and elise was like that's kind of stupid like we're on a like we're on a ranch like we should probably stick to that theme and then it was like light bulb for all of us we were like yes oh my god we should Good. Uh, and then we kind of went in that direction. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's, they're, they're really cool. And there is um, a lot of symbolism that went into them. And there's a lot of meaning. And it isn't just we just picked it to be pretty. Um, we picked it because one of the things that we really think, I think, is uh, organization is really believe that we have to pay um you know respect to the past uh and this area and what it means so that we can set the proper path moving forward and i think that's represented in each one of the, the logos so which one do you guys want to start with well i think we start with the one we all kind of joined and what what how it changed from that so the logo of red cliffs lodge when colin fryer owned it has a uh, castle rock corona arch and Periot Mesa. And so, you know, um, 
I think it's ironic that Colin would choose Corona Arch, and I'm not sure why he chose that one, because it is not located in Arches National Park. And then uh, just to the east of us is Periot Mesa, and then just a little further east is Castle Rock, also known as Castleton Tower, for, you know, just to, so everybody has the same rock formation um, understanding. And so that's what he started with, and then... Um, and then, and then the first it. logo mm -hmm. is the one that we changed, and it's the, the triangle one. And so there's lots of, you know. And I'll just say, for those who haven't been listening to every episode, the, the logo, that original logo that Kim just described, changed when the property came under new ownership. So it wasn't just that we changed it. It was that we changed it for good reason with the new owner. Yeah, and I think one of the things, too, and it actually wasn't so much the logo imagery. It was more the catchphrase that was attached to it because every logo had Moab's Adventure Center underneath of it. And truth be told, like we were like, well, what kind of adventures do we have? We have horseback riding and that was it at the time. And then here we are, flash forward nine months, we have a whole activities department and tons of things that we're offering here. So one, we didn't kind of feel like it was actually representative of who we are. Two, it was very similar to one of our partners that we operate with. So the, 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 it was actually a Moab Adventure headquarters, which is similar to our partner, Moab Adventure Center. And so I think it was a confusing for a lot of people. And I think that that kind of came out because Colin actually did like one of the runs or competitions that was, you know, and that I think that's where that tagline kind of came from. The, was one of those races, yeah. you know, that he did yeah. swimming the triathlon or however many it was, but they swam the river and they, you know, biked and stuff. And so I think that that might be where that tagline came. That's when I started noticing it was after that race. But um, I think this one means a lot to us because we are here, you know. Um, after yeah. by then, you know, the so we, so we kind of swapped out Corona Arch for um, Delicate Arch, which is actually kind of right in our backyard. And if you actually draw a line between Periot, Castle Rock, and um, Arches, like on a map, we're kind of dead center in it, and it kind of forms a triangle. Which that triangle that's in the new logo actually has several different meanings. So if you look at uh, most petroglyphs, um, you know, if you look at the you know, around the world, interestingly, but particularly here in this area, uh, the 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 Ute tribe used it in particular to represent them. Did I say it wrong again? Ute. Ute. God, I'm so sorry. The Ute tribe used it to represent them as a people. So just imagine a triangle, flip it upside down. Um, and then there's two, you know, lines which also happen to represent in ancient petroglyph time, water, alchemy, you know, it it's a symbol of water, which we're right on the Colorado. And then, so nothing better than the people and the heritage with this riverway, which back in the day, guess what? There was no highways. The rivers were the roads. And everybody followed them because it meant life. And, um, you know, that's kind of what we're paying heritage to in that, as well as the three defining characteristics that surround us, you know, east, west, and pretty much north of us so um that's it and then there's a tiny white star at the bottom which actually represents the white family which is really the the first people you know they didn't originally buy this property but they were first people to settle it correct Elise? yeah so i was just kind of diving into um the history of the white family in my work for the museum and so um i've been going back and forth with some of the descendants um basically you know this land was originally 
as as you mentioned, Brian, you know, obviously um, frequented by indigenous tribes in the area, um, but starting in the late 1800s, um, around 1878, 1880 or so, the land where we're sitting right now um, started to get claimed. Um, and so it was originally claimed by one of the first settlers who came. He ended up passing it on to um, a gentleman named Amasa Larson. And the Larson clan um, established quite a few um, land claims in the area. Um, but ultimately, they eventually passed this land on to Amasa's daughter, Essie, who married George White. And so most locals will know this ranch as the White family ranch, either the George White family ranch or the Tommy White ranch. Um, and so those Whites were descendants. Um, Tommy himself was third generation to ranch on this piece of property coming off after Amasa Larson and then S.E. Larson White and then Tommy. Um, so it's really cool to have a little tribute to their their family legacy yeah. um, on, on the Red Cliffs logo. And so important. Yeah, across the board. Back to the original settlers up to modern day. Uh, you know, it's, it is technically Colin's logo. So even technically, it's a little bit tweaked, but it still pays homage to him as well. So we kind of feel like we have incorporated everything in there and it sets the stage for what we're going to do in the future so love it i think it's a great logo i wear the logo proudly you do and it looks good on you too steve thank you appreciate that so so um i mean that honestly of all of them i mean i just like trying to choose your favorite child i can't say that i really i mean i do like every logo um but you know i think that uh of all of them probably the one that we did the most work for is the 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 museum itself so at least you want to talk us through that sure yeah i think probably a lot of that work was just because i had um impossible visions for what the logo would be when we first got started working on the logo um, design process and in working with um, the artist um, basically what we ended up fleshing out was two different logos that's used um, somewhat interchangeably um, and ultimately what I wanted to accomplish with those, with the logo was to capture two stories. One is the story of film in the area and the other of Western heritage, because the museum tells both stories and a lot of times those stories intertwine with themselves. Um, and so that's why we have a lot of Western movies that were filmed here, but, um, that part of of the name of the museum, the Museum of Film and Western Heritage, um, was really hard to put into one logo with two, two different aspects or facets of, of our work. And so ultimately, after working with the artist for um, going back and forth with a lot of different, oh, we went through several, a lot, a lot. we were looking at, <laughs> You, you know, think? Just yeah, a few. <laughs> yeah. We went through so many, and ultimately what we ended up with was, was really simplified. Um, the, the main logo that I use for most things is an outline of the state of Utah. And down in the southeastern corner of the state is just the initials for the museum, MFWH, again, Museum of Film and Western Heritage. And that little corner of the state where those letters are in, in the state outline is the Moab to Monument Valley 
area region, which is the scope and focus of the museum. We focus on the productions that were made in that corner of the state. Um, so that logo, even though it's simple, hopefully really communicates that strong message of the geographic um, focus of the museum. And then there's, of course, a little cowboy hat on there to give a nod to literally and figuratively, uh, nod to the Western heritage piece. And then the other logo that we um, intersperse in to our, our, our imagery um, is a logo pulling from the Red Cliffs Lodge logo that Brian just described. So we took the Periot Mesa off of the Red Cliffs Lodge logo and um, put a cowboy with a camera kind of superimposed onto that image. Um, again, trying to tie it into the location, the area, the film heritage, and the Western heritage. Um, and so those are two of them. You can see that colorful logo with um, Periot Mesa hanging on um, the flags outside of our museum entrance today. Yeah. I mean, I mean, actually, that logo always makes me, I don't know why, it always makes me think of the Indiana Jones movie that was shot here. Like, every time I see it, I'm thinking of those Boy Scouts in the beginning. Like, it just resonates that for me. That's what it, it feels like to me. So, I good love job. That. I thought you, I mean, they're super simple, but they need to be kind of, right? And, uh, I mean, I'm just really impressed. And I will say that the artist, the artist that we use is a gentleman out of Australia. He's never from here. I will say he is coming next year in February. He's so in love with doing all the logos here. He's bringing his whole family here. Um, so he's just like, I got to see this incredible place and all this stuff. And once again, like we had talked in the last podcast about his vision, never been here, but this area represents the West to him. You know, American movies, American Westerns, John Wayne, Clint Eastwood, you know, all of that, and it just it it just speaks to people on almost like a DNA level. It's kind of weird. Yeah, I mean that's the power of film, right? Is it just plants those those thoughts into your mind without you even realizing it? All that subliminal messaging of yeah. when you watch a western movie and it's got this fantastic scenery behind it, and you find out that that's not a painting, that's a real place. Yeah. Suddenly, you're like, wow, that is the spirit of the West right there. Now, I really do like the cowboy uh, on the logo, but I fought really hard for the mud flap cowgirl for the logo, and you guys just would not go for that. You know, Steve, um, when it came down to it, if you look at, you know, it's basically we're outnumbered on this panel. So um, that, but hey, there's always hope. We'll always have another logo. We Maybe are going the 2023 to logo. We'll have the mud flap girl. We are going to find a place so, for the cowgirl mud flap. Maybe we experience. should have one of you in a speedo representing the new uh, paddleboard. I, I, I could do that. So, I could do that. Like your image out there, I think yeah, it would work. Yeah. I'm in. I'm Fair totally play. In. You know, if you're going to take one for the ladies, you got to give them one too. So <laughs> cool. But how about your logo, Mister? Let's talk about live at Red Cliffs. My logo was way too easy. Uh, we we talked about a vision. Uh, we wanted to have the Red Cliffs uh, in the logo, and the artist pulled it off. It was really quite simple. We didn't have to discuss it a lot. Presented some ideas, and they were all right there. So, a uh, very simple logo to uh, create, and it's beautiful. I'm very proud of it. Uh, but I'm also very proud of that podcast logo. Yeah, the podcast logo is it's very iconic, you know. It, it's so weird, like, what just simple things. I guess this is why we have emojis, right? You know, the, there's a certain image that just screams something, and that classic microphone 
kind of with the old school Western kind of just swoosh at the bottom, I think really kind of represents this really well. And I have to say, like my children, I do have a favorite. Which one? Which one? <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. I love all my children equally. <laughs> he's shaking his head as he's saying that. His legs are crossed, his fingers, and his... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> which one's your favorite? It's the, it's the podcast. I truly... Uh, you know, no, I'd have to say Live at Red Cliffs. I think that that is just such a stunning logo. Uh, I'm looking forward to putting it on a t-shirt and wearing it uh, around the house. There we go. It's definitely by far the most colorful that we had until we launched the Red Cliffs Foundation logo, oh. um, which is really just kind of a geometric design. And the Red Cliffs Foundation is really just, you know, it is our lovely, delicate arch, which is an Arches National Park, but it's done in a geometric pattern. And, you know, how do you come up with an image that represents the arts? So the artist came up with the just concept of a rainbow, right? Every color under the sun represents the arts. So he did it in a geodynamic pattern and just kind of, you know, placed it on the delicate arch. And it's actually really stunning. I think it really speaks to what the foundation is, and it kind of needs to embrace everything. Uh, so we're super excited about that. We're really close to getting our 501C started. Um, Elise and Kim and the whole team here have been really working hard on getting that done. Um, and we're just excited to get that aspect down. I mean, we're already giving back to the community in so many different ways, but I think this will just help uh, in, you know, just broaden that scope and it becomes much more dynamic. I don't know. How do you guys feel about starting our own charity? How's it feel for you, Kim? I'm excited about it. You know, to to be able to have, have grown up here and not have lots of options for, you know, um, students or the arts, I, I'm excited for the future of the residents of Moab and the youth. And so... You know, I'm, I'm excited to be able to give back. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, you look at school programming nowadays, and I think the first thing that they cut is arts across the board. Like, it's just, it's not funded well. Uh, there's not a lot of opportunity for kids to do that nowadays. Um, and I just think it's, it just fills a nice niche in this, uh, this, you know, Grand County. Not that they do a bad job here of trying to do it. They do a fabulous job, but... I think there's always, you know, there's a ton of sports scholarships. There's tons of things like that. But when it comes to a scholarship for the arts, not so much. Well, and you don't even see the art things that you, you like even, you know, when I was growing up here, we had a really great uh, teacher who was in the choir and did um, theatr theatrical performances. And Star Hall was like the place to be quite often. And we, I remember there were these gentlemen from New York City, and they came in and they said, we were kind of coming to laugh at your production, and this is hands down really impressive, because we, and it was always like school children, the high school, mm -hmm. and then, you know, some members of the community, but we had some really great singers, and so there were all these musicals and things, and, and Moab has really lost touch of a lot of that, and so I'm excited that we, you know, hope, hopeful that we can go back and do those kind of things again. I think just looking at the economy of the area as well, there's like 
And looking at the economy of the area in comparison to something like Sedona, which had for a long time invested in the arts and has a, a vibrant art scene uh, for that reason. Um, in comparison, Moab's development history, like I said, you know, a lot of the settlers really came at the late 1800s. Um, start of the 20th century and pretty immediately this town took off with a uranium boom and so the uranium boom and co uh, like at the same time film happened filming productions as part of a, a like the economic development here all kind of happened at the same time and then as uranium and filming was kind of bottoming out uranium for good uh film has since come back um, really, you know, the economy in the area was then boosted by adventure tourism. That's mm -hmm. when that's when we saw the increase in the trail riders and, and, you know, the development of arches and those sorts of things. And so we really haven't seen a prolonged period of investment in the arts in the region. And I think I'm just so proud to be involved in this movement because Red Cliffs, I think, in my opinion, is really leading the charge. Now, that being said, there's obviously, as Kim mentioned, there's Star Hall, there's the Mark in town, there is um, a whole, there's other organizations that do focus on the arts, um, but I am so excited to see more arts um, yeah. coming through in the area for for economic development reasons. For sure. I mean, I mean, I, for me, it's just exciting because you see you know, we're very closely, to, I mean, it's a small town, right? <laughs> the good thing and the bad thing about a small town is it's a small town. And, you know, just trying to help the production here that's currently shooting and seeing and watching their struggles to get like grips and costumers and, you know, people that are going to be able to actually help. And it's like nice knowing that we're going to start planting some seeds in this community that will help future productions down the road, which is great economic diversity. You know, I mean, Travel and tourism is amazing when managed correctly, and we will automatically do that. But being able to broaden out and help making this more of a year-round destination, um, I think, is like key to our philosophy here as well. So we're, we're, we're winning on several different fronts. And I think that'll also tie in a little bit. I think we're going to get to a little discussion maybe on some wellness stuff yeah, later in this, this is podcast, actually a good time too, to but, yeah. bring in our other two co-hosts that are with us today. Ladies, do you want to introduce yourselves? So, hi, uh, it's Tiana Bird again. I'm the massage therapist here at Red Cliffs. Back from podcast number two. That's right. We loved you so much, we brought you back again. Yeah, get used to seeing me around, or at least hearing me. Hi, my name is Christina. I am the new director of activities. I'm happy to be here, although I do not like being a part of the podcast. And why not? How, how dare you? <laughs> I think I'm just too chatty. I don't have the right personality for it. So if you need to stop me, just tell me to stop talking. <laughs> but I think chatty is, is the key to having a good personality in a podcast because nobody yeah. wants to listen to you sit and there be quiet. I yeah. think that's the point of a podcast. I, I, I think so. Kind of inherently I mean, we wrapped could up in that idea. Of silence. That wouldn't go well. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> okay. Here we are. <laughs> Unleash the beast, Christina. <laughs> All right, Christina, so so first thing we need to do is just you tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell, let us let everybody know, obviously, you're the director of activities, so tell us a little bit about you. Well, I worked here at the Redcliffs uh, before I became activities director, before this 
department was open and I always thought that Radcliffe's can do so much more than they used to do. With this new ownership, I believe that new cycle of Radcliffe's Lodge is starting and great things are coming. So I'm happy to be here. It's the right time to um, get creative and bring in more content to the property. So when we talk about activities, what are some of the activities that are being created here? Well, um, before anything, we started to offer massage therapy, hence Tiana here, and we started to offer yoga classes every morning. We are looking to add more services. Starting next year, we were kind of um, taking time with permitting, and Moab is not that easy to open up new stuff. It's not that you're taking time. It's not your (laughs) fault. (laughs) Anytime you get the government involved, it takes an extra step. Well, there you go. I guess I'm learning that. Um, so we plan to bring in paddle boards and um, kayaks and a lot of new events. So stay tuned and follow us on our social media. So one of the things that we do on the podcast, Christina, yes. when you come on, is two truths and a lie. Okay. So you give us two truths and a lie, and then we've got to figure out what's what's the lie and what are the truths. And I have to say, Brian is pretty good at I figuring out the truths and the lies. Elise jumped right on mine last week. She did a great <laughs> job with that. That's only because tattooed people know tattooed people's lies. Ah, that's true. <laughs> All righty. So I can try and see if I can trick Brian this time. Yeah, go for it. Let's see. Okay. When I was a little girl... My mom would take me horseback riding twice a week, a horse named Silver. Mm, that's very specific. Okay. Ready Is that one of them? That's one. Okay. okay. Ready for the other one? Yes. I was once clinically dead and brought back to life and had a complete transfusion of my blood. Wow. That's big. That's heavy. There's that's a lot intense. to unpack there. Totally. Let okay. me know when you're ready for the third one. Anytime. Okay. It is. I lived in three different cities on three opposite sides of two oceans. Mm. Mm. So immediately my gut says that your last one is a lie because it's probably more. Because I do know that you're from Croatia and I do know that you are like this little jet setter that likes to go all over the world. So I'm just going to say my first intuition brings me to that because your other two were way too specific (laughs) (laughs) but that's just my guess okay i i i I totally agree yep yeah yeah well eh. (laughs) silver the horse she made it it's the The horse was was pinto it's actually one of the saddest story of my childhood i always man I always okay, wanted to. Okay, just you know, I charge one twenty-five an hour for, here. for therapy. Talk so, about well. so go. Let me lay down. Timing starts now. Um, yeah, I always wanted to ride horses, but my younger sister, for my mother, wanted it more than I wanted to, and she was allergic. So my mom's solution was, no one can do it. Oh, no. So going that is twice. an oddly specific lie you created, yeah. Christina. But it was my fantasy. I always wanted to go, and I knew that horse. It's a real horse. Just the truth. Yeah. You just didn't get to ride the horse. You just didn't get to ride the horse. Yeah. Wow. Well, and oh. now here you are. You work on a ranch. I know. Isn't life funny? Do you ride now? Do you think that brought you here? I um I don't think it's just that. I definitely do enjoy horseback riding here at uh, our lodge. 
but I also kind of felt like Redcliffe's Lodge being ready to implement the wellness and add more content, and that's why I'm here. Got it. Okay. Well, that that is really kind of sad. <laughs> I, I agree. Can't wait to meet your mom now, I think. Um, <laughs> but let's get to the dead body in the room. You. Okay, What was yeah. the other one that's true? Um... That even sounds more sad, or is that like a good story? I mean, I was born, and then I died immediately, and they do they have to reanimate me and change blood in my body. Ironically, I was born on Blood Donators Day in Europe, and it was kind of when war was starting in Croatia, so lucky to be alive, happy to be here, and that, I think, connected me to nonprofits and just kind of community work. I was a volunteer at Red Cross for many years because of that and I would donate blood and educate others to donate blood because that's the reason why I'm alive. That's cool. Amazing story. That's Thank awesome. You. That's was a it great just a freak story. thing that you like like your heart stopped or so my mom was in labor for too long and they started to choke on something inside of there. They needed to get me out and didn't want to leave. You were like, no, I'm setting up shop. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Well, we're glad you're here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Was that not too podcasty? I'm sorry. No, that's perfect. That was so good. No, great job. You fit right in with the other stories, let me tell you. So. All righty. And then three cities and two oceans? Yeah, come on. Okay. I chose three. Although on the east coast of the United States of America, I did live in New York and New Jersey, but I counted that as one. Um, I lived in Porto, in Portugal, so it's one side of the ocean, New Jersey, and then Los Angeles. So I touched three sides of the oceans, and now I'm here in the desert. Did you, or did you not live in Miami, too? I thought you said you lived in Miami. Or I was in Florida, in Claremont by Orlando, so not, not Miami, but it was kind of like a lake area. So technically, I was correct. I mean, it's not the shore. <laughs> That's well. true. Orlando's very inland. I mean, as inland as you can get in Florida. Brian just doesn't want to be wrong today. (laughs) Trust me, I find myself being wrong almost nearly every day, and I am completely fine with that. Okay. So, but yeah, no, you've been all over. Yep. Croatia girl here in the United States. How do you like living here? Here in Moab, I have to say the dry heat for my Mediterranean self was the hardest thing to get used to. I would literally walk around with a spray bottle and spray the air before I walk into it. Um, <laughs> Moisturize. Yes, yes. But I'm much better now. I think it's lovely. I ended up in the desert kind of when COVID hit Los Angeles. It was terrible there. And going through several seasons here and noticing how they change and they give two very extreme climates to the plants here. And every year the plants come back and I found that very motivating at the desperate times of the world during the pandemic. So when people say there's something healing in the desert, I definitely can say that I felt that and I still feel it every day. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, this area particularly, nothing talks more about a constant rebirth than being in the desert. You know, you go from extreme to extreme, particularly where we're at. So. It was magical for me from the first time I ever came to Moab. Mm-hmm. It was just, this was an amazingly magical, magical place. I mean, everybody kind of has a happy place. What is everybody's, I'd be really curious to hear, what is everybody's happy, would you say Moab is your happy place? 
No, if you were going to ask me where my happy place is, uh, my happy place is on top of a mountain in the middle of nowhere where nobody else is around other than the people that I want to be around. Is it a desert mountain? No, like mountain? Rocky Mountains Rocky or, Mount. okay. you know, yeah, yeah. Give me big mountains and and a forest service road with nobody else. And that is my happy place. That's your happy place. That, is, that is when I am upset, that's where I run to. Oh. And water. There has to be water. Water. Yeah. Cool. cool. Where's your happy place, Brian? Um, you know, I, there's. I've always said there's been three places that I would retire to, and um, well, actually two. <laughs> now there's three. Um, the first was always Scottsdale, Arizona. I lived in Scottsdale, Arizona for like eight years, and I loved it. I mean, very similar to here. Um, not as cold in the winter, obviously, mm -hmm. um, but you know, year-round temp. Well, seven months out of the year you had 85 degrees which is great fantastic and then you know 130 um you yeah, know so it's not that bad you know when they say oh the airport mclaren airport is closing because the tarmac is melting it's a little hot <laughs> um and i always and i loved it there i lived there for almost 10 years and i thought man that would be fantastic and then i moved to hawaii and i just really fell in love with hawaii to the point where i lived there for 20 years so, and, you know, Hawaii just, and, but the thing that I've recognized with both places is it's really about the energy there. Um, and that's kind of what I connect to the most. And, um, and it's very similar to here. Like, this is the third place that I actually feel like where I connect on that energy level. So, I mean, there's definitely places I've lived that I'm like, absolutely not. Las Vegas. No, thank you. Um, Aspen, Colorado. No, thank you. Um, I just don't connect to those places. Um, so I don't know. Call it energy. Call it a vibe. Call it whatever. Um, those would kind of be my places. In Europe, you know, I think there's a lot of beautiful places in Europe. Australia. Um, you know, I've traveled to Japan. I've been to China. Um, I will say being on the Great Wall was amazing. I think that kind of, like, that same kind of energy was there. But not kind of like what I feel here. I feel like I got a lot of that energy when I went to Peru, the Andes. Yeah. Again, See, the big mountains. The like big mountains. The Andes got into my soul when I went. The fact that you did the trail in sandals. Hello. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, I can't even imagine. Like, I've researched that. So I know how hard that is. Because I'm thinking, man, you're, you're not going to survive that. You will not make that. Um, mm -hmm. So the fact that you did that, I have mad respect for you, lady. I'd rather do it in sandals than anything else. <laughs> yeah. So, Kimberly, happy place. Any guesses? <laughs> Definitely here in Moab. Moab, because I was born and raised here, graduated high school, and then joined the Navy, and I was gone for 29 years, and it kept, this was vacation. I mean, lots of people choose Moab as vacation, and it was always my place to come home, and I always was I never felt at home anywhere that I lived. And I lived in San Diego for 10 years. I lived in Okinawa. I lived in Virginia Beach for 15. And this was always home. And so, um, so I'm glad to be back. Elise? Um, I'm somewhat, somewhat like Brian, where, you know, the energy is kind of important to me. But my stipulations for, like, places to live have always been like I love the mountains I love the desert 
that's all good. My conditions are things like I want to be close to live music. I want Target within two hours. Um, I wanted a small town, but to be able to go to the big city because I did live in New York. And so I also and so, I, you know, I really appreciate being able to go to the theater or dress up or have that, you know, city culture um, experience. And so I wanted that to be accessible to me, but also having the small town feel. So like, I like the fact that our bookstore in town is mom and pop. Um, it's actually my most favorite bookstore in the whole world. I do love Powell's in Oregon, but um, Back of Beyond beats it in my opinion. So it's things like that, you know, having a food co-op in town. Um, th those are the things that have always been important to me um, that I prioritize. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to share some of mine. Uh, on a motorcycle, driving into a sunset anywhere in the world, that's truly exceptional for me. Uh, I got to experience a sunrise in Nagarkot, Nepal, sitting on a mountaintop that was truly exceptional. I, uh, wow. I, I still amazing. go back to that moment and really enjoy absorbing that memory how did you get there what were the circumstances of your visit uh, it was a really cool trip uh i just I, I i had a really great wife who would let me go on a trip by myself about every few years uh and that was one of the trips where i just decided i'm going by myself and my friends would always i want to go with you never let anybody go with you. It, was, it was just me and uh i actually it was Ben Harper hooked me up with a bunch of his friends that were there working on the Freedom Tibetan uh, programs. Uh, and they hooked me up, sent me to Nagarkot, to this beautiful uh, hilltop cabin. And I sat there and, and read for about three days wow. and got to experience that. That was pretty exceptional. But I also have to say the energy that you get in Moab. That's my number three is just being in Moab, the energy, the spirituality, the giving, there's just so much that you get from Moab, Utah. Yeah, I agree. And I think that energy also touches on the local people. A lot of travelers notice that there is this special um, vibe around the locals. They're very um, big hearted and very kind and very helpful. And friendly and they just want to give you directions and share with you their favorite place and if they see you uh, on the side of the road they will stop to see if you need help because the place is a bit remote we don't always have reception so I just think that energy of Moab is not just the environment which is amazing it's also this energy of humans who live here yeah we kind of have to look out for each other right yeah I really like that I don't I don't depend on my cell phone here because there's so many places where it doesn't matter. It's not part of your life. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the things I mean, you see with our guests all the time, right? That first day that they can't get service. Oh my God. Like you can, I mean, you just have to turn on Wi-Fi calling. It's not the best, but you would think we're asking them to give up their firstborn child. And then it's usually by day two or day three that they're like, Oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> like, no one has been able to get to me. And you really need to decompress and kind of let it go and realize that you don't need your phone. You don't need to be tethered to this device because it's really doing you no justice. 
and I think I think that's a great point, Brian. The one thing that I rely on my phone, you know, it's not about the phone calls, is the, I rely on my phone so much to figure out where should I go. And I know that that's one of the things that Christina is working on. And we, you had mentioned that there is a new logo that I haven't seen for the guidepost. Yeah. So maybe we can talk a little bit about the guidepost. and. Yeah, I mean, so the, I mean, you know, even though the title is the activities department, the, the general concept has always been where we live, as kind of like Christina just mentioned, like you have to know somebody and we, I think our general direction, no matter what department that we're in, like Elise and I talk about this all the time when it comes to posting stuff on you know, Facebook, like we don't, we're stewards of this area. We cannot post a picture that's on private property and or a sacred cultural spot and be like go see this hike you know like those insider books like they drive me insane those people should be shot like and it's really why moab locals kimberly get really upset because these truly truly special areas do not need to be shared with the world it's great that they're out there and if you stumble across them perfect but we are not going to tell you how to get there like it's just not in our DNA. It's not meant to be. It, you're crossing a prop, you know, a private pro a property owner's land. It's like there's plenty more to do here. There's miles and miles and miles and you know things to see. And to do that well, you need to be a guide, which kind of birth the guidepost. And you know, look at this area. There was many guideposts in this area throughout the course of time. And we thought like, you know, the, the beauty of when you go to a lodge like this is being able to talk to somebody one-on-one -on -one and connecting and be like, here's my family, here's my circumstances, you know, here's my wellness conditions. Like, I can't do this, I can do this. What would you suggest, you know? And, you know, today we, you know, we talk about it with social media all the time. We don't listen to advertising. Nobody cares about traditional advertising. It's more about what do your friends suggest to you? What have they done? And for us to have the ability to have a whole department of people that are local experts, um, even though Christina's from Croatia, <laughs> she's been here long enough, um, and she's hiring a fantastic team. I mean, look at the people she's surrounding herself with, like really people that have been here, know it intimately, and for us to be able to be like, we're the guides, let's show, let's customize it for you. We're not worried, we're not gonna force things down your throat that are gonna be super cost prohibitive to you. We want you to have a good time. Tell us what your budget is. Let's make it happen. You don't have a budget? Great. Here's the best free things you can do here. So that was kind of the vision, and that was created. And we were like, Christina, Jason, go for it. <laughs> and uh, that she's taken it, and she's running with it. So how do you feel about it now having no pressure, right? Yeah, I mean, it's fun. It's not something new to Red Cliffs. I think that front desk girls were a great help this whole time um, in helping people, even when you have a caller who's telling you, I'm coming from Los Angeles. What other stops on my way can you help me stop and see? What should I not miss? So I think having a whole department focused on just that would give additional layer of customer service and just us taking care of our guests, but also taking care of our environment. I think a big Im important part of our guidepost is not to, to just show people where to have good time or where to see beautiful sunsets or sunrises. It's also how to protect the land and how to 
mm, responsibly go through it so other people can also enjoy it in future times. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, we're stewards of this area. Like, we have to do it, right? Yeah, and I, I don't want to take it away. Like, the front desk didn't do that before. Like, that's not the case. But the front desk did, like, eight bajillion things. And, like, my one of my first things, you know, when I first here, was here and I couldn't do anything but front desk, I was the world's oldest intern, um, you know, I was like, oh, my God, you guys collect breakfast, you do all the activities, you book all the reservations, you check people in, you check people out, you're giving them cookies, like, you go greet the buses. Like, let's take some of that off your plate. And that's really how kind of the guidepost was developed. Like, let's take some of that pressure off the front desk. And Although they are rock stars. Oh, every single Shout one of them is rock the front stars. Desk. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to get my butt kicked if I don't <laughs> tell them how great they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. so. <laughs> Uh, the, the logo is basically the same thing. So we're, we're keeping the, the triangle kind of thing intact. It's kind of a little bit more geometric of um, the guide of the like Red Cliffs flashback, uh, where it's really much the Red Cliffs area, but it's really kind of takes into, you know, a guidepost is about being providing direction. So there's a compass element to it. So it's north, south, obviously we're east. So the most of it comes into the east part of the compass. Uh, and that's really kind of, it's like our take on the compass and it represents earth, wind, air, land. Um, it has a little bit of all those elements in there. And I think it's kind of cool. We haven't kind of unleashed it yet because we haven't quite gotten there yet. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to finish our new fabulous gift shop up. And once we get that done, then the next thing, well, sorry, fire pits. <laughs> and then our fabulous new guidepost uh, round table. Uh, it's not going to be a desk. It's not going to be traditional. You go up. It's going to kind of be more like a kind of social spot. Come up and talk story. Like, let's talk about what you want to do and where you want to go. And, yeah, you need your boarding pass printed? Sure, let me do it for you right here. Here's a video screen. Let me show you. Let me bring up with a big screen. You want to see what it looks like out of Castle Rock? Let's bring it up and project it over here. You want to see what uh, it's going to look to skydive in the Red Cliffs? Let me show you a video. And that's really kind of what the experience is going to be, a little bit more interactive and give them a better idea of what's up there, you know? And then Tiana can hang out there and give uh, massage, which I thought about today. Like, do you have a chair massage? Do we have one? We don't offer it. We don't do it. offer it, but we should get yeah, a I'm chair. Yeah. We should we should get a chair and do Agreed. chair massages. Agreed. Absolutely. I think that's Agreed. a great idea. I've, I've kind of thought about that in passing a couple of times now. You know, it would be a great thing to set up when there's nothing else going on and, you know, come get so a chair So funny massage. story from today. So we, we celebrated International Housekeepers Week. And yes. We were a little bit late. Heard all it, the games. But, it sounded uh, like a great time. We did. Time. We did it like minutes of winning like games. It like an awesome time. And everybody had a great time. And so I was like asking the team as I was going around, like, what? Did you like it? Did you have a great time? And um, one of the girls in housekeeping came to me. And she said, oh, this is so great, Mr. Brian. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And she goes, um, next year, can we have a massage? <laughs> I was like, did Tiana tell you to say that? <laughs> uh, and but then I was thinking, like, man, we should have had Tiana with a chair. Would have been a great idea. And it would have been, idea. like, a great, like, five minutes. So then I was like, I don't even know if we have one, but... So we got to get one. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, for sure. One. Well, and they, they're they even, you know, uh, there was somebody today who came to me and she said, I've got a really bad headache. Can you just can you just help yeah. me out? And so we just took like five minutes and just kind of rubbed, you know, just neck and, 
and head and stuff and said, you know, if that doesn't work, if it doesn't get better, come see me. I got more we can do, you know, but yeah. just, you know, her, her first response is I've got a headache. I'm going to go find Tiana. I mean, and that's what I love about, it. I mean, honestly, like I was thinking about this morning, like, you know, we do our morning huddle every morning, eight fifteen. Like if you're here, you're here, come find out what we're, what we're dealing with, contending with. Cause this literally is, we're a small city. Let's not lie about it. We're a small city. Totally. There's a lot going on. We have our own water, our own power, a horse ranch. We have all this stuff going on in our own museum. We have like tons of things going on. So being able to connect on that level. But the thing that grounds me the most and the thing that I love about this place the most is that we are a family. We really, really are. Like we say, you know, the Western States logo is serving you like family, but I truly get that feeling here. I like, you know, as you talked about, you know, we have to be that way. We only have each other. We have to look out for each other. So... I think that's maybe a great segue. I was going to ask about, you know, I'm super excited to see this guidepost come to life. Um, it sounds fantastic. Um, and I know that every guest who walks up to them is going to be super um, engaged with the staff who are working at the guidepost. And I was going to ask about some of the symbols that people might see on those guides working at the guidepost. But that's also what you were just saying, a great segue into, you know, yeah. how we really treat people like family and that personal mm -hmm. touch um, yep. and how the service that we provide here at Red Yeah, Fox. I mean, it's really, I mean, the one thing that I don't think anybody enjoys is being sold to. It's more about having that conversation and getting to know me as a person. And we have the luxury, even though we're crazy busy right now, like, you know, I mean, I love our tour bus guests and, you know, they're kind of on their own agenda, but man, they like to talk too. And um, the opportunity to just kind of feel them out and hear their stories and, you know, why this place resonates for them. And, you know, Shelly, who is our lodge manager, you know, she constantly gets inundated with, no, we have to. We have to come back to Red Cliffs. It was the, the, the most popular choice. And, you know, these tour buses, like, they go out for two, three weeks at a time. These people are paying four, five, six, some of them are paying 10 to 12 grand for this trip. And for them to say that, and some of them are only with us for a day. I mean, you guys all know it. But for us to make that kind of impression on a two-week trip on people, that's pretty cool. And that speaks to all of you, really. You guys are amazing and our staff is amazing and this area is amazing like it's hard to really not feel that connection um going back to the logos there is a symbol that we have right that staff members wear if they we yeah so we have a personal touch pin so at least you gotta hit me over the head sometimes so like, <laughs> she's like i'm trying to lead you to this <laughs> Aren't you Two picking syllables up on this? Sounds like, uh, yeah. So, sorry, it's been a long day, and I've been slapped with tortillas in the face a few times. Other story, a different time. Um, but uh, yeah, so personal touch. So um, one of the things that our company does is we, you know, our philosophy is personal touch, and not in an uji kind of weird way. Um, Steve, just point it out there, okay? Uh, but uh, just you know, how do you make those one-on-one, heart-to-heart -on -one -heart connections? And so one of the things that we do as a, you know, an executive team, um, actually everybody, actually, I just don't want to say it's the exact team, but literally anybody on this property can nominate any other employee or manager for a personal touch award. And it like it, 
leads to some really interesting conversations about um, just what people give back on a day-to-day basis. Like yesterday we had our UC meeting, you know, oftentimes we get social media posts, Kim, right? All all the time. Like all the time. Like people, you know, our guests are raving, you know, we just had one of our breakfast attendants who, you know, she took it upon herself. They, she talked to them during the course of their stay, found out that they were leaving. They had to leave at 4.15 in the morning. We don't open until 5.30. We don't even come in until 5.30. What did Diane do? Oh, let me come in. I'm going to make you some fresh banana bread and brew coffee for you, get you some whole fruit, and I'll meet you at 4.15 and send you on your way. Who does that? Like, li- literally, they wrote that. I just saw that. Who does that? That was Diane amazing. Does. Diane does. What a great story. Right. Yeah. But I mean, we have, like, you know, Al in the bar, and we have every, I mean, the, the front desk all the time. Like, there's, you know, even, like, I mean, across the board, so many of our team, you know, our housekeeping team, our wranglers are freaking, like, how often do you remember a landscaper's name? But they get mentioned, and it's because we take the time. And we, you know, and we do. We have a little pin, which is um, a thumbprint, you know, your personal touch that if you win the award, you get to wear the pin. Um, And uh, anybody can get it, and we reward those people with a nice little cash incentive. And it's not like the, that's not even like that matters though. It's like, it's just built into the DNA here, which I think we're super fortunate about. And so thank you, Colin Fryer, for picking really good people to work here. So. Thanks for explaining that one, Brian. And then is there one other pin that guests might see staff wearing? So the guests are gonna start seeing the pin for our our family crest, which is what we created, um, which is the so it's basically um, everybody's looking at their phones because I sent it to everybody <laughs> earlier. So um, back in January, we kind of haven't had an EC retreat where we were kind of laying the groundwork for this year. We had taken over on December sixteenth, and um, one of the the things that we were looking to do was what makes Red Cliff Red Cliffs and what is important to us and what are our, you know, I I just remember that day we had tons of stuff up on the board of like what is, what makes Red Cliffs what it is. And the number one thing obviously was, what do you guys think it was? It's on the thing. I mean, there was just a bunch of random words up on the screen, right? Mm -hmm. I wasn't involved in this process, so this is all new to me. Bunch of random things. And so, I mean, my guess would be that the word that everyone would have picked would have been family. Correct. So, which is representative by one of the symbols on the the crest, which is the ties that bind, right? The history um, that that binds us all together. It's a knot, right? So the, if you imagine a traditional crest, it's like a, a, you know, like an old time Arthurian shield and it usually has four panels or two panels and it's usually some kind of weapon, some kind of color, some kind of block. Uh, so, um, you know, at least kind of very smartly took that and we made it into a wagon wheel into quadrants and then we chose the four. So obviously the knot is one. And then the next thing that we kind of have here is really just the creativity, which is represented by a wrench and a pen, um, which kind of represents both sides of the spectrum. Either you're gonna be physical and you're gonna use your strength and your body, or you're gonna use your mind uh, and you're gonna create. And that's very important. Um, And what was cool about that was that it was a process of 22 people in that room, right? 
And, you know, there's a lot of stuff up there, but there's a lot of carryover. You know, the next symbol was fire, right? Which represented uh, on their, uh, you know, the passion that we have here. Like we are incredibly passionate about what we do here. And that's the one thing that I love, like we talked about it last week, you know, what makes everybody drives everybody and is being able to bring that to the front. And it kind of turns into, you know, the Latin phrase at the bottom, which, um, you know, we, we chose, we want to be a light in the dark. And that it resonates on many different levels. Um, one being it is passion. It is our passion that fuels this place and makes it what it is. Two, we're in a dark skies area. We literally are a bright light in a dark sky. And more importantly, I think that it ties into the energy aspect and the healing aspect here, which is people feel that connection here. And you might be in a dark place, but we want you to feel better when you leave. So we are a light in a dark sky. Um, and, you know, am I, well, I'm missing one of the... The, the legacy and I remember when we were in yeah. that meeting that we were trying to figure out what's a good word for you know the history and legacy is such a great word because it can be the legacy that we want to leave but or leave behind but also the one that we have so to include the white family and you know all that the colon fryer did uh, to create this amazing place and so um, I, that was really meaningful to include all of that and the, represented the by past the and the future yep and i can say that so like i mentioned i wasn't um yet working at red cliffs as that process was going through i kind of came in and, and right at the tail end of it right at the tail end of it and i and you know obviously embraced all of those um concepts family legacy passion and creativity that was identified by the team um and you know the symbolism that Brian and Kim just mentioned, you know, the knot for family, the key for a legacy, the fire pit for passion, and then the the pen and wrench for creativity. Um, but I'll just say as as the sem semi-creator of this logo, um, I'll also say that one of the intentions behind those were also to represent all of the departments. Um, and so wanting that, those, the, that imagery to also represent, for instance, the activities. So we've got a fire going for passion, but guess what? We've also got fire pits and we've got activities going around those fire pits. Um, you know, the key for um, the legacy was meant to symbolize the front desk and the, the, the role that they play in welcoming our guests and, and furthering that legacy. Um, obviously, engineering, you know, our, our maintenance team is represented with the wrench. Um, so it can go on and on, but there's definitely some, some um, deeper meanings in there as well. Yeah, and it all ties back to kind of oddly this mismatch of a podcast we had this week <laughs> yeah, this is a variety show this week i think it what is. an amazing conversation though yeah. i i really want to thank everybody for sharing uh thank you for joining us today christina uh what an amazing show and i i want to thank you guys thank you guys yeah thanks thank for listening you. let's keep it going we'll see you next week on live at red cliffs podcast yeah Good job. have a There's great week be everybody Welcome to the team, Christina. This podcast has been a presentation of Live at Redcliffs in association with the Moab Museum of Film and Western Heritage and the Redcliffs Foundation. Music provided by Sand Chef. 
produced at the Red Cliff Studio in Moab, Utah. Join us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on the World Wide Web at live at redcliffs.com. Music